Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Last week we met Nebuchadnezzar briefly. Uh, If you remember, he was the king of of the Babylonians and they came and uh, took Israel captive and Remember one of the they had done is they took all of the young people, the, the young people who were the, the most intelligent, the, the quickest to learn, and, and took them away to Babylon. And, and uh, uh, we saw the story of how Daniel and his friends stayed true to the Lord in a very, very difficult situation. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is, is at it again. He's still at it uh, in the book of Daniel. Uh, we're not going to look at Daniel chapter 2, but in Daniel chapter 2, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he's very troubled by this dream, and he wants to know what the dream means. And so he calls together all of his advisors and counselors, and he, he says, I, wa- I had a dream, and, and I want you to interpret it for me. I'm, I'm very troubled by this dream. And they said, okay, so what was your dream? And he goes, oh, no, I don't trust you. If I tell you what my dream is, you'll just make something up. You tell me what my dream is, and then I'll know that you can interpret it. Now, does that sound unreasonable, right? I mean, that's kind of a, what? Anyway, and if you don't, we're going to kill all the, the, all the wise men in the, in the nation, all of my advisors, get rid of all of you. Well, God miraculously worked through Daniel. Daniel, he revealed the dream to Daniel, and Daniel interpreted the dream. But this is Nebuchadnezzar, okay? <laughs> Chapter 3, where we are today, Nebuchadnezzar's at it again. And in chapter 3, what is he does, he, he builds this golden statue, this image. It's nine feet wide. And I don't know if it's round or if it's square, but it's nine feet wide. And it's 90 feet tall, overlaid with gold and whatever. And my guess is it was that he was viewing this as an image of himself. And what he did is he arranged to have the band, big band that was there. And, and he said... Every time that band plays, everybody has to bow down and worship this golden statue that I have made. And and he called for all the rulers from all over the place of the different jurisdictions and all of a sudden had them all come, told them this, that you must bow down when you hear the music and worship this image. Well, what happens to people who are worshipers of the one true God? in a situation like this. Can they bow down and worship this image? No, because God told them what? No images, you don't worship images, you only worship the one true God. And so we know this is gonna put these guys into a bind. Now, we don't know where Daniel is in this story. My guess is Daniel is someplace else in the kingdom, carry on some of the king's business, because he's not in this story. But our other three guys are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So let's take our Bibles and go to Daniel chapter 3. We're in this sermon series highlight reel uh, from the book of Daniel. Last week uh, we we saw um, this idea that you need to settle your priorities, that the Lord always comes first. Settle your priorities, the Lord always comes first. And so we saw that uh, these three men were living that way. And so there's already this sense then, if they've said the Lord always comes first, and now here I'm being told that I have to worship this false God. Now, what I didn't didn't say, should have said, is that he said, if you don't worship, 
you will be killed. But it's more than that. He said, here's how you will be killed. You will be killed by being thrown into a fiery furnace. We're going to burn you to death. Okay? And so now we have Daniel, I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here in our story, uh, having settled that the Lord always comes first, and then they're, they're faced with the situation. What do they do? So let's, let's uh, go here to, uh, by the way, we're on pages uh, 1021 is where we're starting. In uh, verse number eight, let's start in verse number eight of chapter three here. <coughs> it says, therefore at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the commandment to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now, <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had taken a, um, a big faith step in chapter one there. When they said, we, 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 don't, uh, we can't defile ourselves by eating this food, which was against the Jewish law or food that had been offered to idols. And so they had taken a big step. And as we saw, we, we talked about that. They had settled the issue that, that the Lord came first. He always comes first. Well, that's a big faith commitment. And as a result, we see them not bowing down. I want you to know this. When you make faith commitments, when you say, okay, God, I am going to trust you. God, I am going to obey you in this matter or whatever, and you begin to live that way, I guarantee you that faith is going to get challenged. We have a tendency to think, oh, wow, I finally made, you know, I settled these issues and I, and I, I dealt with this with God and yay, and now my life is going to be so great and no more problems. Any of you ever have problems in your life because you disobeyed God? Yeah. So our tendency is to think, well, if I would just do what God says, then I won't have those problems. No. <laughs> that isn't the way it works, is it? And, and here's why. We are in a spiritual battle. 
And the, the, the reality is, is that, okay, so you say, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to obey God, I'm placing my faith in God, I'm selling this priority, Lord always comes first, I'm gonna live this way. Challenges will always come, and the reason they will come is not because of you, and not because of what you're doing or not doing necessarily, but because who have you placed your faith in? God. And isn't this what we hear? Isn't that the wrestling match here? What was the end of that verse 15? And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And see, see, that's the challenge. So know that when you, <clears throat> when you take sides with God, in a sense, by yielding yourself to him and you know, surrendering to him and growing and, and be living this way, that your faith is going to get challenged because there is an enemy who wants to oppose all things God. Okay? And so you're going to run into that. All right, let's continue. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. So, man, there's some confidence, isn't there? Our God can deliver us. And the idea is that so if he does deliver us, you know, he, he, we're going to be delivered from you. You can't do anything about it, king. He's able to do this, and if that's what he does, he's going to do it. You can't do anything about it. Okay? Uh, confidence. That, I mean, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume they were speaking respectfully, which they should have been. But man, they said, this is, you know, you're challenging God. And that's what we just said a minute ago, right? The challenge here is against God. And they are confident in God. And so whenever the challenge is against God, if, God get, if anybody gets in a wrestling match with God, who wins? How often? Always. Every time, that's right. And so when you see that, wait, this is a challenge, challenge to my faith, but it's really a challenge to the Lord, then you can be confident that the Lord is going to engage this. And, and you can trust in him. And that's what they were doing here. All right, let's, let's read the rest of this, uh, verse 18. But if not, now wow, those are three big words. Three very short words, but they are big. So let's read, let's go back to verse 17 again. If that is the case, notice that, that we get thrown into the fiery furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. <coughs> but if not, what if God doesn't do? What do we think he's going to do? Has that ever happened to you? God did not do what you thought he was going to do. And so that's what he says. But if not, if God does not do what we think he's going to do, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. So, when we talked about settling your priorities, that the Lord is always first, that leads very naturally to where these three guys are at. 
And here's what I, I want us to see in the word today and to walk away from here and having wrestled with it in our hearts and settled it. And that is this. Be committed to unconditional faith in the Lord. Unconditional. That means there's what? No conditions. I went online last night and was looking up, trying to find out if there's anybody ever did any research on, on you know, unconditional money back guarantees, unconditional, what does that mean? But what you find out is when they talk about, you know, 100% satisfaction guaranteed, sometimes unconditional, nothing, except that you have to do it within this amount of time and you have to send it back and pay, you know, da, da, da. But the problem is sometimes that's the way our faith is with the Lord. Oh, I have an unconditional faith in the Lord. Unless. Or except for. And we don't think those things up front. But we find ourselves running into those things along the way. You can leave here today convinced that you have this unconditional faith. I, I am. I'm with you. Uh, and you're going to go out of here. And something's going to happen with today, tomorrow, next month, next year. And all of a sudden, that is going to get tested. Really? Is this really unconditional? Because God is going to do something different than you expected. He's not going to do what you think you are. It's, it's just not, and this is going to be tested. Unconditional means what? Without any conditions. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. An unconditional faith in the Lord. And, and this is more challenging. I said it. It's, it's, it's easy to say. The Apostle Peter said it. Lord, you know, no matter what happens, I'm with you. Even if we're going to die with you, I'm, I'm with you. Unless a young woman challenges me about who, <laughs> knowing you. Right? I mean, he didn't think that at the time. But this is what unconditional faith in the Lord means. And man, sometimes that means that you're going to live in some really hard places, some really difficult situations, having to choose to, I am going to do what the Lord tells me to do here. I'm going to trust him no matter what, unconditionally. Now, being committed to unconditional faith in the Lord, there's a realization that you need to have, and this is it, that a life of faith is more important than life itself. Let that sink in a little bit. In other words, a life that's lived trusting God, believing what he says, living according to his word, when push comes to shove, going with the Lord. The, the only way that happens, if you conclude that, wait a minute, a life of faith is more important than life itself. Um, I think we have a tendency to think, what's the worst thing that could happen to somebody? Dying, right? That's the worst thing that could happen to somebody. But the reality is, is there are other things that are, um, are worse than dying. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, you know having to live in a, a bad health state and all that. Yeah, we might say that's worse than dying too. But I'm talking about other things in life. Uh, consider this. In the book of Revelation, we see believers there who were persecuted and even killed uh, by the enemy, by Satan, during the tribulation period, Satan and his forces. And, and they say this. We see them recognized and honored. And it says, and they have defeated him, the enemy, 
by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Anybody here afraid to die? You know, it's interesting because I, I, I don't find myself afraid at all of having died. But the dying part <laughs> bothers me. You know, there's lots of ways to go that I don't want to go. Um, but, but we do need to sell this idea is I should not love my life more than my Lord. I love the Lord more than my life. If that means my life needs to go, it needs to go. We saw this verse last week, the Apostle Paul talking about the situation that he was in. In Acts 20, he says, nor do I count my life dear to myself. I, I, I don't. Uh, by dear to myself, I mean that it's, it's so important to my value. And in Philippians, it's the letter of Philippians, he clarifies this in the morning. He says that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body. While I'm here alive, whether by life or by death. So to the Apostle Paul, what was more important to him than living or dying? Honoring the Lord, right? That's what was most important to him. And this is what we're talking about, this unconditional faith. God, I want to honor you. I believe you. I want to live that way. I live by your word. Now, the reality is here for, for most of us is that we... Um, how many of you feel like you're at risk of going out this week and because you're a Christian, someone's going to beat you up or kill you? Probably not, right? I mean, we don't, we don't face that, do we? So sometimes it's easy to talk about these things uh, and not have it, but we need to really, really come to this conclusion. And then, so I want you to know that if you make this commitment, we've already kind of seen this uh, in our story, but know that the enemy will do everything he can to undermine your faith. He's going to do that. Everything he can to undermine your faith. Uh, he is described this way by Peter. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand against him and be strong in your faith. So know that there is an enemy who will come after you. And, and what will he do? Well, John 8 Jesus talking about him said that the devil does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He is a liar. And that's how he's coming after you most of the time. By lying to you, bringing lies to you through other people, through other mediums, through even just, you know, your own thoughts and knowing your, your own uh, struggles. He is going to uh, try to uh, gets you to believe that serving Christ is not worth it. It's not worth all the hassles and the troubles that come with trying to be faithful. It's not worth it. He's going to try to tell you that. He is going to try to get you to misinterpret the events of your life, the things that have happened to your life, so as you start concluding, I don't know if God is really good because of fill in the blank. You know? Or he is going to try to um, get you to be disillusioned because someone else who is a Christian, who you expect to live like a Christian, doesn't. And you get hurt in the process, and so you become disillusioned about, is this all this stuff? This is the kind of thing that Satan is going to bring against you time and time again. Sometimes it's very overt, sometimes it's very subtle. And if you aren't careful, you adopt things 
that later on spring to the surface are causing you problems. But know that he's going to do everything he can to undermine you living by faith in this way. So Satan is a liar. That's what he is. He can't help himself. He lies. That's what he does. Well, God can't help himself either. Titus chapter 1, it says, God who cannot lie. And so we have to make some choices, don't we? Who are we going to believe? So when we find ourselves, here's some, you know, God says this, whatever this particular thing is about a, a subject in your life. But somebody else says this, and this happened in my life, and, and, and that, and, and all of this stuff seems to go against Right, all those thoughts undermine or, or excuse. Well, I don't have to do this because it, it works against us and we gotta make a choice. We need to make a choice and it's a choice you need to make up front and it's a choice you need to make each day as you live it out. And that's that what God says is always true no matter how I feel. Right? And so we have to make some decisions. We've got to saturate ourselves with the truth. We're talking about the Word of God. We have to saturate. We have to let this, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we take in the Word of God and, and meditate on it and, and, and try to understand it and talk with God about it and then seek to live it out. We have to uh, be focused on the truth. And that doesn't happen by accident. You've got to do something. You've got to open up your Bible. You've got to spend some time there. You know, there's so many wonderful tools available. You can listen to your Bible. You can listen to the Bible if you, if you have one of those apps that, that, that reads it in about 70 or 80 hours. So over the period of a year, do you think you could listen that Are you in the car that long? Aren't you in the car that long at least? You can listen to the whole Bible. I mean, but it's, it's, it's choices we have to make to, that we are going to saturate ourselves with truth and believe God now. The other way that Satan will come out after us is in the way of power. He's a powerful being, okay? Now this is not one that we want to engage directly with. With truth, we're going to engage the lie. Engage it, bang. But we don't mess with the, the power stuff. And we don't need to. In, in John's letter, first letter, he said, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The God of the universe lives inside of you. And Satan cannot touch you unless God allows it. And if God allows it, you may find yourself in the company of Job. And God has good purposes for that. All right, so... We're talking about the, making this commit of unconditional faith to the Lord. And uh, we have to remember a life of faith is more important than life itself. Secondly, know that the enemy will do everything he can to undermine your faith. And then the third thing we want to see here is to remain faithful. And the Lord will always show up. And actually, let's go back in the scripture here. <clears throat> I meant to read this with you. All right. Verse 19. And this is where I was, I was going to express to you that the enemy is going to do everything he can in his power to undermine your faith. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. It was as hot as they can get it. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now, let's just stop there. This, what we have here, this, this fiery furnace, we don't know exactly what it is or how it worked. Um, but it's, it's a big area that, that they could actually, there was a, like maybe an open chimney or something, but where they could throw people down into. And that's what they did here got close enough and threw them down in. But there apparently was somehow another way where there was an opening or something where you could see in as well. We're going to see that here in just a minute with Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? So let's, let's oh, by the way, uh, in, when they were um, doing archaeology in uh, Babylon, they found something similar to what I'm describing to you here. And then they, they, they thought maybe it was a brick kiln and where they made bricks. But then they found an inscription that said, this is the fiery furnace where those who blaspheme the gods of Chaldea are cast. Okay, so this kind of thing was done. All right, verse 22. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So as they got close enough to throw them in and push them in, the flames and the fire came up and actually killed the men who threw them in. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So here it is. It says they're trying to undermine the faith. Now let's read the next two verses. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. All right. So Nebuchadnezzar's looking in here, and, and not at all what he expected was going to happen. Something different happened, right? And so this is where the third thing I want you to see is this, that if you remain faithful, that the Lord will always show up. He will always show up. So here they are. They're in this furnace, and... Um, <clears throat> He sees a fourth one, it says here in, in the New King James, and King James and others, that he looks like the Son of God. Now, it, it may be uh, more literally a son of the gods, but the idea is this, is that Nebuchadnezzar looked in and that fourth person, there was something different about him. And I do very much believe that this was the Son of God. We see God appearing in human form on occasion in the Old Testament. And I believe that every time God shows up in human form in the Old Testament, that it is the Son of God, who would eventually be born as the man Jesus, actually take on human form, which is what we celebrate at Christmas. All right? But God showed up, didn't he? And they're doing fine. They're walking around in the fire. 
Now that must have been quite an experience, huh? To be in the middle of the fiery furnace and walking around and being okay. And, and God is here. And we don't know if they're having a conversation. It says they're walking around. I don't know what was going on. Was the Lord showing them stuff? Say, hey, see, the, I don't know. But they were all right. Okay, and so when I say the Lord will always show up, we need to understand what we're talking about here. Sometimes the Lord shows up and miraculous a miracle, just miraculously delivers people from things. On occasion he does it. Is he able to do that? Yes, he is, and he may very well do that. He can do that. More often than not, that's what we're wanting him to do and what we think he should do, right? Okay, but he delivers us in other ways as well. There are times in which, I, th I still think it's his miraculous working, but he delivers us by enabling us in the trial, by enabling us to be able to go through that trial in a way that brings honor and glory to him. Uh, think about this. This is what happened to Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Uh, this idea of being beaten, it's like a, a, a caning, which you've been in the news in the last few years. Uh, it's just a, a brutal, brutal. Occasionally, people would die from these beatings. And so they have been beaten like this and thrown into prison, and what's their response? They're worshiping God. They're... Their faith is unconditional. They aren't saying, well, God let us be here in this prison. This is, no, right? Unconditional faith. We're going with the Lord here. And the prisoners are listening. And so, but what God does, God does not take them out of the prison. Well, he does. But he doesn't take them out of this circumstance. But God does work miraculously. God brings an earthquake, which breaks the chains somehow or other off of them and all the prisoners. God works miraculously in that the prisoners chose to stay there with Paul and Silas rather than run out. And God worked miraculously that the jailer who was going to kill himself because he was sure all the prisoners were gone, that they stopped him and he didn't. Okay, God worked miraculously in that this man asked, what do I need to do to be saved? God works miraculously in that not only does this man get saved, his whole family gets saved. All right? Now, this is all happening one evening. Paul and Silas still have the same wounds, the same pain, the same difficulties. But did God work? Did God show up? Oh yeah, he showed up in amazing, amazing ways. Now, uh, another way that God may work when we find our faith challenged like this is he, if we have to suffer for the Lord, if this is his will for us in a particular situation, he will make sure that the suffering is worth it, that it accomplishes something. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this in his experience. Uh, in 2 Timothy, he says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Why? So that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. In other words, I wasn't put to death yet here. And so he's saying that God allowed this, but in the middle of it, he did what? He enabled me to 
do what he's called me to do. He enabled me to carry out this ministry. He made it so that all these people hear the gospel. It's worth it for him to go through this. And by the way, you, just, you don't just one day decide that's the way I'm going to live. That's a result of these faith commitments that we are talking about. Uh, then, there's one more way the Lord delivers us. And this is in the very next verse of what Paul said. He says, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work. In other words, there's nothing that's going to happen to me that is going to accomplish Satan's evil in my life. No, it's God's work is going to be completed in me. And I'm going to heaven. See, there are times when God delivers us by letting us die. Does that make sense to you? Think of someone who's in a part of the world where they are maybe being tortured for their faith. Sometimes God may deliver them by allowing them to die so it's over forever. And then we, we die well because we, we have died trusting in the Lord. I feel like for me, see if this makes sense to you or if you experience this. I feel like it's easy for me to say, yes, I will die for the Lord. Because I don't have to worry about it today. Do you? Or tomorrow we haven't talked about that. But I think probably the real test for me is if am I serious about am I willing to die for the Lord today is am I willing to live for the Lord today. And it's the same level of commitment, the same level of faith. And so last week we talked about settling your priorities that the Lord always comes first. And I think that, like I said, that, that leads naturally to today's lesson. Be committed to unconditional faith in the Lord. Even if it takes your life, it costs your life. By the way, if you, are, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, when your death comes, that ushers you into the very best that you will ever experience. Right? If you don't know the Lord here today, dying is the second worst thing that you will ever experience. And the first will be what you experience right after you die. It's so crucial that, that you receive Christ as Savior and settle that issue so that you are ready to die. And uh, that means that you acknowledge that you've sinned against the Holy God and, and that that has separated you from Him and will send you to hell forever if you die like that. The Bible's so clear that Jesus came, the Son of God came became a man. Jesus lives a perfect, sinless life. And as he goes to the cross and dies there, it says that God put the penalty for my sins on him, the penalty for your sins on him, penalty for everybody. Jesus has paid in full, and that payment is available to you. 
But you got to make a decision. Am I going to go my own way, do my own thing? I'm going to handle this and then die and for all eternity be trying to pay the penalty. Or I can say, you know what? I'm giving up on that. I'm going with God. I'm going with the one who rose from the dead. I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior and receive him as Savior. And uh, you got to do that if you haven't yet. And we'd love to help you with that. Uh, if you have questions about that, certainly you could ask me about it. Or you could head out and find someone out here out in the uh, foyer uh, near the path sign. We'd love to help you with this decision. Okay? All right. Be committed to unconditional faith in the Lord. Let's bow our heads. I want you to think right now for just a little bit. What would, if you were saying, yes, I would make this, uncom um, this, excuse me, this unconditional commitment of faith, what things would get in the way of that? What things would you say, well, except for, or but not that? I, I want to encourage you right now, just say to God, God, okay, I want to make this unconditional commitment and... Um, these things I'm struggling with. So I make this commitment, Lord, and trusting you in these areas where I may struggle. God, I want to live for you that no matter what happens, I remain faithful, and I need your help to do that. Maybe right now you just need to tell the Lord, Lord, I, I receive Jesus as my Savior. Father, I thank you that we can look to your word and that you show us things, teach us things. I pray that um, each of us here today, Lord, would be very serious in, in making that unconditional commitment to you, knowing that we aren't capable on our own of keeping it. But we're going to make the commitment and trust you to work in our lives so that we can be faithful to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. It's been great to see you this week and to have you listen to the word. And uh, we'll see you next week, if not before. Bye-bye.